And welcome to episode 120 of Lace Mall Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. In case you haven't heard, the regular season is done, and now the important time of year kicks off, and that would be the Stanley Cup playoffs, where the league goes from 31 to 16 teams and uh, becomes the process of elimination. Best of seven series, anything goes, and upsets, well, at least the odd one, uh, are expected. Uh, So we will uh, break down all the series. Uh, We'll talk about our Final Four, who makes it to the finals, and who wins the whole darn thing. And joining us to talk about that is Chris Wassell. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being on. Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, good good afternoon, everybody. By the way, just so you know, this is the worst time of year for people trying to predict injuries. So just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Do not shoot the messenger if we say it's an undisclosed injury or we just say it's general body soreness. And then the player's out for, like, magically the rest of the postseason. There, there's little we can do here. But it's the best of times. It's the worst of times. And honestly, I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm just glad my team made the playoffs. Much to the chagrin yeah. of just about everybody in Toronto. Yeah, and as a result, one of our teams uh, had to finish uh, close to dead last, and that would be my Ottawa Senators. So this will be extra fun for me because I have no ties to anybody. So uh, my my opinion will be completely unbiased. Uh, So uh, before we get underway, we uh, do this thing where we have uh, some hockey trivia. And uh, I would usually uh, delve into the book of hockey trivia that I have. But uh, the uh, Sedins, I don't know if you heard the Sedins retired. We mentioned it in our podcast uh, last week. And uh, I came across this massive stat. Um, The Sedins have both earned a career total of over $74 or there's 17 seasons in the league. But here's the stat that I'm wondering if you guys know. Here it is. Since 2007-2008, Daniel Sedin has played um, 16,051 NHL minutes. To the nearest percent, how much of that was played with Henrik Sedin? Hmm. Damn. Well, I know they play a lot, right, on the same line. Yeah. They're always, it's they've always be a big been a, number. Uh, how big? Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm going to say 90%. 90%, okay, Chris. Uh, shoot. Um, I, I, feel, I feel like that prick from the prices, right, that sits there and looks at the guy that predicted $1 <laughs> and, and goes, okay, I predict $2. Uh, I'm, I'm going 91%. 92.6. I know, it was close. Yeah, you won the prices, right? That's still incredible. 92.6% of 16,051 NHL minutes since 0708 with your brother. That's absolutely incredible. And now, it's time to get on with the show. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Um, so before we start off with the um, with the playoffs, I we do want to mention our thoughts and prayers to the Humboldt Broncos. Um, uh, in case you haven't heard, uh, they had a 
there was a tragedy, I think this was in on Friday. Um, yes, where... Friday at around uh, 5 p.m., their uh, team bus collided with a semi. They were on their way to a playoff game, and yep. uh, at least 15 people confirmed uh, dead. Yep, and Humboldt is a SJHL um, team. I'm looking at it right here. I guess that's the Junior Hockey League team. Yes, um, and they, um, yeah, it, it's it's just a sad thing. Um, we we usually have been pushing all the news stories that's happened to next week, but we felt like this was a big enough story to mention it today um, on this podcast um, in this episode. But uh, yeah, our thoughts and prayers go out to them. I was like, I saw like how. Um, like there was like a DVD of Slapshot on the ground when they actually looked at the bus, um, which was uh, just a sad thing. And also, like, um, like a, to a lot of these guys, like these bus trips are like a huge bonding experience to them, and it's like one of the more enjoyable experience of being on a hockey team. So it's just sad that like this had to happen and and stuff like that. So thoughts and prayers to everyone. Um, who knew any of these guys um, who were dead or anyone on the team who's still alive. So, yeah, thoughts and prayers. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to say about it? Well, it's it's just one of those things as well, and you, you see all the, the NHL players reacting and, and reaching out um, because at one point in their careers, they were one of those kids on mm. that bus forging you know, friendships with everyone and, you know, just talking about life and enjoying life. And, you know, that's a that's a safe place for them. And to have it just turned upside down like that and all of a sudden, um, you know, this team is making national news for all the wrong reasons because there are a lot of people that died on that bus. And um, it, it really hits you hard because for a lot of the players, you know, for, for a lot of um, the, the NHLers, you know, who are on those trips, you know, they're just like any, any time of day, that could have been me. That could have been me on that bus. Right. And it's, it's just really, really sad. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's something, I mean, look, I rode a bus for a couple of years playing, playing hockey myself. It, it wasn't what these trips were. I mean, going, going from, let's put it this way, going from New Jersey to say like, central Pennsylvania or even up into Western Massachusetts is not the same as what, what these kids experienced. This was a way of life for them. And they were going through what, what could be best described as God's countryside. It's, it's, it's gorgeous up there. And I'm sure they'll do a thorough investigation of this, but one of the things that that was brought up was there may or may not have been a stop sign that was run. Um. I mean, that's the, – there, there are certain things with this that just uh, – you, you sit there, it's how, how do people handle a tragedy like this? And then unfortunately, um, later that evening, there were pictures of the accident site. Guys, I mean, it doesn't matter, male, female, et cetera. I, I, it, if it didn't bring you to tears, there was something wrong with you at that mm-hmm. point because it, it, it was a site that you couldn't unsee. Um, anybody that's been involved in, in an accident or anybody that has seen a graphic accident, just you, you don't want to see something like that ever again. And for, for the 15 kids that lost their lives and 
the entire hockey community. And it's, and it's a huge community when you can sit there and you look at a GoFundMe account that has raised over $5 million already, mm-hmm. already to help, help the friends and families of this tragedy, which reaches on so many levels. And, and yes, I did, you know, I, I saw a few pl- places where and there's been a few, few recent accidents, even here, there was a hockey player that died last year and you saw the tribute of sticks being left at, at doors of, 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 of the players that have fallen or even, you know, just as a sign of solidarity among, among hockey fans, media in general. And the only thing that you can really say in comfort is besides the normal thoughts and prayers is that we're here and we're here no matter what. True. Yeah. I was about to mention that GoFundMe where they've uh, raised $5 million for all the people um, involved in that tragedy, as well as 74,000 people about have, uh, have already uh, donated something. So, so that's impressive considering this happened two days ago. Um, so yeah, um, you're right. It, it is more than thoughts and prayers and um, it's just, it's just a sad moment. But I, I do kind of, on the positive side, I do like how the whole hockey community has kind of teamed up and supported everyone and, uh, Absolutely, yeah. and uh, come together on, on this occasion. And that's like a nice thing. Obviously, it's terrible circumstances, but I do kind of like that um, that feeling or sentiment that like, oh, we're all in this together. Um, it's not just about hockey. So, with that said, with that said, uh, let's get into the playoffs. Um, so, as Steve has mentioned, and I'm sure you you know by now that we're into the playoffs finally. Um, and uh, so we have eight series to go through, um, and we're going to start with the Eastern Conference. Um, I might split this up. I haven't decided yet. Depends on how long this episode goes. But um, we're going to start with uh, Chris's favorite team, the New Jersey Devils, and uh, they're going to be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, to, to start. Um, so what? Um, this is kind of like a interesting thing because Tampa was kind of in the lead for the entire season and then the Bruins kind of had a run uh, late trying to to uh, you know get back to that Atlantic spot lead but it never actually happened um, and uh, so Tampa staved off the Bruins um, to late um, and they've kind of run cool lately um, and then, meanwhile, you have the Devils, who have, um, you know, they had Corey Schneider being injured for a bit. They had, um, you know, yeah, of course, you have Taylor Hall, who's who's basically been carrying this team for a while. So, um, and, you know, you also have Nico Heischer, who's been putting up a nice, a nice season together as well. So, um, yeah, what, let's... Um, Let's go with Chris, because he is our guest to start. So what do you think of the series, and give us a winner and a game length? Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, when, you, when you look at the series, and you look at 
the teams that ideally New Jersey want to face going going into the playoffs, the one team that they absolutely were terrified by facing was Boston. Yeah. Uh, simply because, look, if you have Travis Zajac on Patrice Bergeron, we're, we're just going to cry uh, throughout <laughs> the entire series because it doesn't end well. Yeah. Uh, in this case, having having a team that's not quite as as I don't I don't know if you can't say speedy because Tampa has a lot of fast forwards. Yeah. But they're just small enough or smallish that you can push Tampa around a little bit. Whereas New Jersey couldn't push a Boston around. They couldn't really push a Washington around as much. But a Tampa a, 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 for the most part, younger team that has a little bit of an older core, i.e. the Rangers South, which couldn't have been a bet, better draw for New Jersey because we've faced those guys, some of those guys before uh, the last time around in the playoffs, and that ended pretty well for New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey's overall depth through team speed is one of the best in the league. It's one of the reasons why they're in the playoffs is – it's not. It's not so much a possession thing, guys. It, it's more of a they can get to a lot of pucks that most teams couldn't against a team like Tampa. Uh, there, there's that variable. There's also health, which is involved. New Jersey's the healthiest they've been all year. I don't know if Marcus Johansson's going to play. Yeah. That's that's a that's a great question mark right now. He's healthy. He's been cleared. He's practiced with the team. I don't know if New Jersey messes around with team chemistry too much, considering they were basically, I throw out the Washington game. They were 7-0-1 to clinch a playoff spot. There's not really much more you can ask from New Jersey at that point. The things from the Tampa end that concern me if I'm a New Jersey fan is simply this. Their top six without Stamkos, and Tampa fans don't crucify me on this, could be a even scarier matchup for New Jersey than with Stamkos. Hmm. Why, the, reason why, the reason why is this. The shot volume that, that Nikita Kucherov is going to generate in this series will be something of insanity at times. You're going to see a lot of crooked numbers because if, say, like a Yanni Gord plays with him, Gord has a tendency to pick and choose his spots and not really shoot a ton. Alex Kalorin is kind of the same player at times. Andres Palat, if he's healthy, same kind of player. Kucherov is going to be given the green light from basically either the left slot or the right slot on the power play to just fire at will. And that's that's the biggest game changer in this series is how New Jersey stops that. It comes down to can Key Kincaid stop those high-danger shots in this series? If he can't, guys, this series series ends quick. Yeah, I guess if he stops them. Tampa's in, Tampa's in a lot of trouble. This is really what it comes down to. That you know, basically that area. I, I know everybody has fancy terms for it, Royal Road, everything else. But basically, there's like a semicircle, basically from 15 feet in around the slots, where if Tampa's getting too many opportunities and Kincaid's not up to the task. It's 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 Tampa in five, and it's not even close. Yeah. Uh, but Tampa has the same problem with New Jersey. New, 
Tampa could not stop Taylor Hall and Kyle Pop. Kyle Pop on half a foot, mind you. He's not 100%. Mm-hmm. We all know it. Um, you know, he's kind of he's kind of skating around like a fish with it, with his tail cut, unfortunately. But it, at times is effective enough. They they inject enough stuff into his foot and ankle, and he, he's ready to go. Um, the interesting thing in the series too will be how New Jersey uses the power play. Do they finally put Nico Hishier on the top unit for once and for all? For the love of God, please. Uh, that that's a key point in the series. Do they do that enough, or do they change it up a little bit every so often on the power play? Look, Tampa's power play since February 1st, guys, 74%. That's it. It's bad. I mean, their penalty kill is so bad, but their their power play is so good. That's the funny part. 25.5% power play since February 1st, 74% penalty kill. Uh-huh. So there, there, there's ways to attack Tampa. This is, this is again, much like playing Pittsburgh. These are the, this one of the two matchups New Jersey almost had to have, and they literally tripped into this one. And this is why. Oh God, I'm going on the spot with this. Please, <laughs> please, Lord, let me be right. The New Jersey Devils, as crazy as this sounds, are going to win this series in six games. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, I figured you would you would say that as a Devils fan, but um, yeah, I guess you, you did give up some interesting uh, perspective on that. So, I mean, it is it is definitely possible, um, but we'll see. Uh, so, Steve, what's what's your take on it? Well, unfortunately, it's the part where I hate to break Chris's hopes because oh, he's defended me on so many occasions. I do think the Devils are going to make each game very, very close. I will give the Devils credit. Tampa is going to have a tough time containing New Jersey. But when you look at their offensive stats, it's really, really hard for me to go against Tampa Bay on this. I think it's going to go six games. Originally, I said five. I'm going to change up to six games because Chris Chris convinced me just now. Um, (laughs) But I think Tampa's got this series, and I'll tell you why. 10 goals shy of hitting 300 this year. Like you mentioned, their power play has been very good on the season, third best overall. Stamkos and Kucherov, we all know what they can do, but JT Miller, he's fit in very nicely on that line after Nemesnikov got traded to the Rangers. He's close to a point-a-game player. Braden Point, 12-game winners. 12-game winners from Braden Point. Uh, Yannick Gore, 25 goals and 63 points, the most by any Tampa rookie. In the history of the organization, keep in mind, like Cavalier, rookie season, Tampa Bay, Stamkos, Kutrov, same deal. None of them put up more goals and points than Yannick Gord. And that's partly because Tampa's top six is so good. Um, like, a few years ago, we were talking about the triple line and how good it was. And now guys like Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat are, are the names that we're not talking about as much. We're talking about guys like Braden Point and JT Miller and... Stamkos and Kucherov. Um, the one thing I will say about Tampa Bay is I would be more concerned if they were going up against like a Boston or a Toronto and it was in a, and it was like a first or a second round matchup. Once we get to the next round, I think I'm more concerned with Tampa there. Um, but I, I think the New Jersey Devils are going to give them a ride for their money simply because Andre Vasilevsky if, if fatigue really starts to wear on him, 
I think he's going to get exposed. And if he gets exposed, that's bad because they got next to nobody backing up Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I will give New Jersey all the credit in the world because they have put themselves in this position. Taylor Hall is having a career year, 39 goals and 93 points. And Nico Heischer has really come into his own as a rookie. But it's it's just not enough when Jesper Bratt isn't having offensively as great of a second half as he did in the first, when Travis Zajac um, hasn't really produced either, and ultimately when Corey Schneider hasn't played his best either. Like, if it wasn't for Keith Kincaid, in my opinion, the Devils would not be in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I mean, basically, when you guys look at this, Corey Schneider tore his groin in two spots. Yeah. I don't know how anybody could expect. I mean, the fact that he's even somewhat playing is a testament to him it's, it's itself. But there was no way that, honestly, I would, in my opinion, I would never have trotted out uh, Snyder the last game of the season at, at all. And I wouldn't have rested anybody either. Um, you know, I think it's sometimes it, this, this whole resting thing backfires about pretty much 99 out of 100 times. Yeah. It, it never, it never really works, and you hope that now Devils don't come out rusty in Game One because the Devils' record with three or more days of rest is, well, it improved this year. This was the first year in twenty years, guys, that the Devils were five hundred or better with three days of rest. Well, and that, that's just, I mean, you know, you sit there and go, okay, one, two, three years, all right, you know, it's not often the team has that much rest, mm-hmm. you know, even with bye weeks now and such. And, you know, it, it's something that you sit there and go, okay, this this is, this is could be a different kind of series. But again, you guys are absolutely right. This could go fast. And it also could drag out very long. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really no way of, there's no way of knowing until the two things that, in the series are proven how Vasilevsky does in an adverse situation in the playoffs. That's one, uh, at least with this team and two, the health of Stamkos. If Stamkos is say 80, 90% even, then I'm as a devil's fan and a writer and et cetera, I should be worried. But Mm -hmm. if he's like 50, 60%, like we saw last week, I'm not quite as worried. I'm feeling a little better about it. Yeah, the thing that worries me more about the Devils is, I mean, the the, the goaltending is something I, I know Keith Kincaid has to kind of continue to be as good as he has been in the final stretch. And obviously, if Corey Schneider can be healthy, that would be a added plus as well. But I think the bigger issue for the Devils is their defense. Um, I know Will Butcher and Sammy Bennon have been, uh, you know, better since but um this season but I'm still like I still have some question marks about how they will be um come postseason and and you're gonna need that you're gonna need a lot of good defensemen play um in front of a like a lineup like the Lightning who have so much depth you know you not only have Kucherov and Stamkos but you have Braden Point you have Yanni Gord Victor Hedman uh I could just go on and on Sergachev uh, JT Miller now as Steve mentioned um, you know, Tyler like Johnson, got like uh, nine or 10 players with at least 40 points. And two yeah. So, um, so I feel like the, the devils are gonna, um, are gonna have trouble just containing all that depth that the lightning have. Um, 
not and like and that's withstanding the fact that we're not sure what the goalie situation is going to be like. Um, I'm not necessarily sure I trust Keith Kincaid. Um, I would trust Corey Schneider more, but like you mentioned, Chris, before that he's probably still injured. Um, so um, with that being said, I'm going to say that the Lightning are are going to win in. I'm going to be more bold than Steve is here. I'm going to say Lightning in five um, in this. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> You're going to... That's all right. <laughs> I, got, I got history on my side to at least extend this a little more. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw this out there. We've beaten Tampa twice. Actually, it's funny because 2007, when New Jersey beat Tampa in six, the Devils weren't even favored. Actually, Tampa was. Tampa had the mm. same kind of team as they do now. Uh, they had ten player. They had ten players with forty or more points, including some guy named Martin Saint Louis. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, it's not saying it, it could happen again. And, and it, basically, Marty Berdur had one of his worst seasons in, in quite a while. And, and yet, for some reason, I, I don't know. There is something weird about this series. Uh, and the the one thing I think Lightning fans should be a little bit afraid of. Actually, two. Uh, one, Dan Girardi. Two, Ryan McDonough. They're still playing together, and they're still bad. Yeah. They're still really freaking bad. Basically, to put it this way, that pairing is worse than almost. Oh, let's see. If I go go back, it's it's worse than the old uh, Bryce Salvador, John Merrill pairing. <laughs> From yeah. Salvador's last season. Well, Dan Girardi is definitely Salvador Fane. Dan Salvador Fane was one of the worst. Dan Girardi is definitely bad, but I don't know if Ryan McDonough is bad. He's not hundred. He's not hundred percent either. He hasn't been since since pretty much January. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess if in terms you, of injury. If, but. if you're the Devils, you're 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 ham you're hammering that matchup, and you're ha- you're hammering their bottom six defensively. And right. you're just going to keep ha- you just keep hammering it because it's look Tampa's even that Tampa's bottom six forward wise, particularly their fourth line, they're not good. Yeah, they're 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 they're, they're giving up like 38 scoring chances per 60. They're giving up 16 high danger chances per 60. I mean, you know, and and you can flip that to the Devils too. To be fair, their fourth line is mm-hmm. hit or miss. But the one thing the fourth line the Devils does that Tampa's doesn't is score timely goals. So, you know, it, it comes that this series, look, you're going to see a lot of goals in this series. Yeah. You, you, you just are. Although maybe not as much as the next one we might be previewing. Yeah, I was about to say, we have to go on <laughs> to the next series. Uh, so, yeah, this next series, um, it, so we go from, Someone's favorite team to another one's favorite team. Um, we're talking about the Boston Bruins here um, and the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Bruins kind of, um, they ended the season. It was an interesting um, end of the season because they had a game every other day. Um, they had a fair amount of injuries and um, they couldn't get it done. And it came down to one last game. Um last night on Sunday night, and they just couldn't finish off and beat the Panthers on Sunday. So uh, they drew the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs instead of the um, 
the uh, New Jersey Devils, which is um, it's an interesting matchup here. Um, you know, for uh, I guess I can. I mean, I'll preview both teams. I guess here. So, and on the Bruins side, you have um, everyone's favorite player, Brad Marchand. Um, he has 85 points in 68 games. Unreal. Um, I mean, of course, some of those games he uh, took off because he was suspended uh, for a lot of them. But um, it's still incredible that he can still um, go at a high level like that. Um, of course, you know, he plays uh, on a, um, on a uh, no reckless way, uh, style, um, but... Uh, which he needs to stop, and I think, uh, just just so we're clear, Chris, I do not approve what he did to Marcus Johansson, but um, I I feel like um, we we shall see. You know, of course, he's he's not like a Matt Cook or anything. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then we have other players like uh, David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, who've uh, who've picked it up lately. Uh, Pasternak has 35 goals and 80 points to end the season. Bergeron has 63 points. Tori Krug has a um, has pretty an underrated uh, defenseman year for for him with 59 points. Um, you also have a lot of youth um, for the Bruins with Danton Heinen, Jake DeBrusque, uh, Charlie McAvoy, of course. Uh, Danton Heinen has 47 points. Jake DeBrusque has 43 points. And McAvoy has 32. Although for McAvoy, it's more about like he's he's a very good defensive player as well. Um, and then of course you have all this other depth with uh, David Krejci, um, Rick Nash. It's unclear if, um, how if if he'll play or not, but um, he uh, um, he skated I think yesterday, so he could be back on Thursday. We'll see. Um, and then, you, of course, you have Ryan Donato. How did I miss him? Um, and then the other I guess the other thing that's been pretty decent for the Bruins is Tuka Rask. Um, he's 34-14-5 and five, um, with a 9-17 save percentage and a GAA of 2.36. Um, we are also a pro Tuka Rask podcast as well. Um, but... Uh, um, but it did seem like uh, towards the end of the stretch, he let in some goals that he probably could have saved. So that that um, that was a little bit worrying for me um, as a Bruins fan. But um, we'll see how it goes. Um, and then Anton Kadobin has been uh, decent as well um, in his stead. Um, and then we go on to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, it seems kind of like they... You know, it seemed at the start of the season or their hype was all about like, oh, this is the year where they finally pull, like they become Stanley Cup contenders and become, you know, like their regular season is going to be monster-like and didn't really seem like that was going to happen a ton. I think that was mostly just because like um, their defense like would give up all this like, would give up leads late in the uh, late in the in the game. Like they would be up by a ton, and then they give up some some games, um, some goals uh, in the third period, and end up losing those games. So um, there's that. 
Frederick Anderson has been pretty good, though, uh, considering all that. Um, he has a 918 save percentage, a GAA of 2.81. Um, his win-loss record is 38-21-5. and um, And then you have um, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Nylander, the triple threat of that. Um, they all have around 60 points. Mitch Marner has 69 um, Matthews has 63, and Nylander has 61. Um, another one I kind of want to spotlight is Jake Gardner, who has had 52 points as a defenseman, which is kind of uh, pretty cool. And Morgan Riley, as well, has 52 as well. Um, and they have around the same assists and goals total. So um, that, that should be interesting, um, as well as JVR has 36 goals and 54 points. That's someone to watch for, uh, Nazem Kadri as well. Um, so yeah, this should be an interesting, uh, lineup. Let's go with, uh, let's go to Steve first, um, and then we'll go to Chris after this. Um, so what, well, uh, I, I think that, I think this series is most likely, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure Brett will love this. I think this series is most likely to be sided in overtime of a Game 7. I um, think this series probably. is going to go the distance. I think it's the one that I'm most looking forward to watching. And if this stat doesn't exemplify the lack of period in the NHL today, I don't know what does. Heading into this year, Boston was the proud owner of the 10th longest NHL postseason appearance streak. Guess how long that was? One year. That's, that just goes to show you how much the playoff scenery changes every year. Nothing is guaranteed. Um, and I think each game has the ability of becoming a novel on its own. That's that's how intriguing this series looks to me. Um, but if you look at Toronto, they have the second-best power play in the league. Um, in the second half, on home ice especially, it's been dominant. Um, the good news for the Bruins, I would have to say, is they have home ice, so... That's the one thing that plays into their favor. Um, but even then, the Leafs' power play is 25% away from the Air Canada Center, so they're still deadly even then. So I definitely think a discipline is going to be key for the Bruins. Um, I think on both sides, power play and penalty kill are going to have to be good, um, especially for the Leafs considering that Boston has a better penalty kill than they do. Um, and if there's one thing I am looking for if I'm a Leafs fan is getting Marshawn off his game. Because every now and then, we have seen this guy, and Brett's mentioned this previously, we've seen this guy make some sketchy plays that have cost him some games. And That's an when I say that, I mean a play that, in the heat of the moment, he should not be making. This guy has turned himself into a top 10, at least a top 20 scorer every year. Um, he's a guy that can score upwards of 30 goals and 80 points for this team. The Bruins need talent like Brad Marchand in the lineup, and he's got to be laser-focused. Because when he's the best at his craft, he can score five overtime winners in a season like he did this year. If he's doing stupid stuff behind the scenes that have absolutely nothing to do with what's being played, that's a golden opportunity for the Leafs to strike. And they have guys that can irritate Brad Marchand. They have Leo Komarov. Um, to a lesser extent, Thomas Placanitz can stir the pot a little bit. Uh, for the odd game, you can put in Dominic Moore. He can be a pain in the butt as well. He has been throughout his career. And if you need guys that can lower the boom and uh, crush the buys along the boards, Matt Martin is a pretty good example of that. They can play old-school rough-and-tumble hockey with Boston all day long. Um, 
but they've also got some bottom six depth that can match up with the Bruins because, to the Bruins' credit, their young guns have been huge for them. Danton Heinen, Jake DeBrusque, Riley Nash, all of them have played upwards of 70 games, and all of them have scored at least 15 goals and 40 points. And uh, on the back end, Matt Grizzlick, he has put up 15 points himself. Uh, Tim Schaller, uh, Ford, um, that's used to playing in the bottom six, but he's got 12 goals and 22 points. That's pretty good for a bottom six guy. Yep. So at the same time, while Toronto has guys that can match up with the Bruins' uh, bottom six, uh, I think the Bruins have a slight advantage in that department. But I think, like Brett said, it's going to come down to goaltending and who's going to make the timely save because I think this is going to be a matter of who makes the least mistakes. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, what what do you say? Okay, this is going to get really fun uh, and really fast. The Let's pray for the city of Toronto in this sense. Or maybe not. I'm a sense fan. I don't think I'm obligated to do that. <laughs> I know, but let, let's pray that this doesn't happen because I, do, I don't want to hear stories of TDs broken everywhere. Um that that much uh look look here's the thing that coming into the series toronto's healthy guys if i'm boston i'm at least a little bit concerned for this obvious reason toronto has nobody on their injury report everybody's back everybody is pretty much 100 percent going in mm-hmm. toronto did not have that the last time these two teams faced each other boston on the other hand both Nashes are hurt. Yes, both of them. Um, I presume that both will be ready at some point in the series, if not for game one. Uh, Brandon Carlo, however, not so much. And that, that is going to hurt at least a little bit. for. for and if I'm not mistaken, he was also hurt in the Ottawa series too last year, wasn't he, Brett? Uh, yeah, he was. That didn't help him then either. No. Yeah, that 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 that. that uh, look, Boston is going to have to win win the series. Ugly. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be lots of goals scored. There's going to be times where yes, Brad Marchand loses his head, which just just is a given. Um, but if you're Boston and you have one hope going into the series. And as wacky as this sounds, attack the co- if Leo Komarov's on the ice, attack. Yeah, <laughs> attack early, attack often, and attack late. This is the thing, guys. Komarov is not half the player he was even two seasons ago, or even last season. He's been one of the worst bottom six players in the National Hockey League, and that line that line has suffered as a result. It's part of the reason why he's been moved so much. Over the last little bit, so I went. I went and did a little bit of digging, and, and thanks to our friends over at Dauber Hockey, and it's not just because I helped them with with the frozen pool. <laughs> um, but here, here we go. There is a reason why Kadri, Marlowe, and Marner were put together, and that's because Komarov was so bad. So, what you have basically in that fourth line is Thomas Thomas Pukanich. You have a rookie in Casper Kapanen. And then you have Leo Komarov being dragged all around the ice. Yeah. This isn't hard to figure out what you what you attack if if you are Boston. You attack the Bozak line at even strength. 
and you attack the Placanich line at even strength. Placanich is an excellent penalty killer still, but in the back of your head, if you have a little bit of conspiracy theory in your head, do you really think that uh, a former Montreal player really wants to stick it to anybody at this point? Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's one of those it's one of those strange theories. This series comes down to two things: special teams and goaltending. That's it. Mm-hmm. Because the defenses are both. The goaltending, it's a question of who who makes the least mistakes. And both and both goalies can. Um, you know, I've seen it first when you when you've seen both teams enough, uh, like I have, unfortunately, a little bit too much for my comfort. Uh, you you know that Dave, James Van Riemsdyk on the power play is an absolute nightmare for Boston. Yep. And basically, Boston's entire power play, first unit power play, is a walking nightmare for Toronto's penalty kill. Yeah. And whoever went. Basically, it's whoever wins special teams battle and whoever wins the – you don't even necessarily have to win the goaltending battle. More or less between Anderson and and Rask, it's more who survives. Yeah. Because we saw that we saw that the last time these two teams faced in the playoffs. Obviously, not Anderson. But it's the same kind of idea, guys. Yeah. It's survival. There's going to be many momentum shifts in this series. And, yeah, obviously, I'm predicting this to go seven, of course. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say this: I do think it's Boston that winds up standing, but very groggy going into round two. Yeah, I think I think that's probably uh, the one thing uh, that's going to hurt Boston is that Toronto is really going to uh, drag this series on and, and really suck at least half of their energy out, and uh, it'll be tough for Boston uh, for. For round two, and it goes seven. I think it's going to go into overtime of game seven as well. And while I do think that Freddie Anderson is here's the one glimmer of hope for Boston as well. Freddie Anderson has been more overworked than Tuga Rask has been this year. He's played more games. He's faced more shots. I think that plays into Boston's advantage. Yet, despite all that, I th- I still think the Leafs are going to win barely, oh. but they're going to win. Um. Okay. And that, I should I should mention. I predicted the Leafs to make the finals in my season prediction, so sure. that's what I'm leaning towards. No, that's I have fine. to go down with the ship. I, I have fine. to go down with the ship. Yeah. I get it. I well, I have to go down with my ship uh, yeah, with the Bruins I here. Uh, it's uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, what you guys were saying, it is concerning for sure. Uh, you know, the Brandon Carlo injury is uh, definitely. Um, something that's gonna hurt them for sure, and uh, Rick Nash. I think Rick Nash will probably play um, on Thursday. Right yeah, he skated um, yesterday, and I think same with Riley Nash as well. So um, there is that, um, and also I think like uh, just the fact that there's also like Daniel Chara has had a like a resurgence lately this season. Um, I think there's something to Charlie McAvoy reinvigorating uh, Chara in um, in this game that uh, kind of just uh, makes it, um, you know, it, he's like a he's like a more of a mentor type instead of a um, like a beast that he used to be. But I mean, he's still a beast for obvious reasons because that's just how he plays. But um, I think there is that aspect of things where I feel like our defense. Um, 
I always say R, like like I'm a part of the team. Uh, <laughs> the I feel like the Bruins' defense is um, solid enough or better than the Maple Leafs' defense um, in terms of just their actual defensive style of play. Um, I think what does worry about me, what does worry me, is the fact that playoffs are a different animal, um, and we do they the Bruins do have a ton of young guys. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, Ryan Donato, uh, Danton Heinen. Um, I'm probably missing a couple here, but you know, like those, like I'm not sure um, if they can stand up to that pressure of like, like, oh, this is the playoffs. This isn't, you know, this isn't the regular season. And I feel like if if those rookies and those young guys, because those were um, the main guy, reason why the Bruins were doing so well was. We were backed a lot on the young players doing really well um, in guys like Dan and Hyen and Charlie McAvoy, as I just mentioned, and Jake DeBrusque. Um, but it's you know if if those guys can um, can continue to do what they've been doing, I think that then uh, the Bruins will have a good t- <laughs> an easy time beating the Toronto Maple Leafs, but. Again, I I don't think it's going to be that easy. Um, I'm going to say the Bruins in seven. Um, I'm going to say there's also going to be like times, just because I've seen seen these you know these games before, uh, where uh, like especially last time the the Bruins and the Maple Leafs played in the playoffs, um, where it seemed like the uh, Maple Leafs uh, had it all won, and then the Bruins came back from yeah. 4-1 in the third period um, to uh, to win it all. Um, so and if there's one thing the Bruins have shown this year is that they're a resilient bunch of players. Exactly, and there's been so many times where the the, the Bruins have been down by so many goals, and then they come and back and the win. the first goal, too. Yeah, they, they, they've given up, like, a goal. Like, it feels like they give up a goal every game. Um, you know, like, at, like the, the first goal every game, I should say. Um, but, um, so, so in that regard, like, it is going to be close. I think you guys are right in that regard where every game is going to be close. I think the Bruins are going to win, though. Um, just because I think they have a they have a slight advantage over the Maple Leafs, just on the defensive side of things. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they won. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Steve. <laughs> um, I'm glad <laughs> glad you gave me that encouragement. Uh, we have to go on though. Let's go to uh, Washington and Columbus. Um, this is kind of a, a interesting um, matchup, I guess, because you know Washington has been known. For to be the team that uh, can't get past the second round, um, you know they. It was kind of an off year for them though this year, where they they didn't win the President's Trophy. Braden Holtby wasn't Braden Holtby. Um, Philip Grubauer was pretty good though, uh, to be fair. Um, and then you know you had Ovechkin who had forty nine goals um, as a thirty year old. Um, Kuznetsov also had a pretty good year with 83 points. Um, and then, um, it seemed like everyone else was okay. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom, of course, had 71 points and John Carlson also was pretty good, but everyone else, it was, it seems like their depth isn't as up to par as it was last year. 
Um, and then, um, so that they're not like your normal Washington Capitals team. Um, and then I guess the same can be kind of said for the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. They're not really your normal Blue Jackets team. Um, Artemi Panarin um, kind of proved that he can do well without Patrick Kane. He has 82 points in 81 games. Uh, Seth Jones. Career high, by the way. Yeah, career high. Um, Seth Jones. Uh, kind of uh, came into his own uh, finally uh, with 57 points in 78 games. Uh, you also have uh, Cam Atkinson uh, actually came back, had a really awesome second, it's awesome, had a really good second half. Um, he has he now has 46 points um, when he, before he had like a god-awful like, yeah, like he hardly scored in his first ten games or something like that, um, and so he came back. And then you also have a guy like Thomas Vanek, who's only played nineteen games for them, um, and he has fifteen points in those nineteen games. Um, so he's been kind of a revelation in that in that sense. And you wouldn't think that uh, a guy who notoriously doesn't play defense would fit in well with a John Tortorella system who all he does is yeah. play defense. But uh, it seems like it works well for them um, in that regard. Um, and then you also have, of course, you have Sergei Bobrovsky, who is a 2.42 GAA and a save percentage of 921. Not like uh, the season he had last year, but um, that's still pretty good. Um He's 37-22-6, and, six, and they had a really good second half of the year. Um, so they have uh, the Washington Capitals have something coming to them um, this season um, uh, for their first round matchup. It's not going to be an easy pickings for them um, in, the, in that regard. Um, yeah, I don't... I, I, I don't want to be the person to make my predictions first, so I guess I'm going to go with Chris. We'll just uh, switch off between you and Steve for who goes first in these uh, previews. So, Chris, go first. (laughs) Actually, this is is where I get probably more bold than I should, which means this will bite me in in the foot inevitably, or or other places, sadly. Here's my problem with Columbus. And I've seen this before. One of two things happen when teams have this kind of streak. Where Columbus is like won 16 of the last 18 games to finish the season. Yep. It reminds me of the 2015 Senators when they could do no wrong at the end of the year. Yeah, they, you know, basically what Hammond was like 21 and one over his final 22 starts. It just just like a ridiculous number. This is what this has kind of become. All right, let's put it this way: for 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 perspective and. And Brett, Brett was mentioning this. Cam Atkinson's freaking numbers over the final, his final tw- 20 games. Okay, so we added this up really fast because we're, we're bad at math. Um, okay, I, I lied. I'm not. But I can, I, was, I can look this up for you. Hold on. <laughs> 25 points over the last 20 games. Yeah. Okay. His shooting percentage was over 20%. You know what it was before the streak, guys? Sixth. Less set. Okay. Wow, it was close. All right. Now, here, here's the thing. His on ice shot percentage at that point, yes. Yes, Steven. It was 6% exactly. Hey, look at that. It shot up to 10.1. Okay, so that means that over the final 20 games, basically, 
his five on five shooting percentage was around twenty percent. That, my friends, is obscene. Yeah, there is no other way to describe that that kind of production. It is uh, since February he has thirty one points in thirty one games. Yeah, he simply simply put. The, the the foot and the shoulder and the groin that had been bothering him through the right. first half of the season stopped bothering him basically, and he could actually push off on a shot. And he actually the big probably the biggest thing was honestly being paired with Artemi Panarin and Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois I think had like 19 points in his last 17 games. You know we could go on and on. Vanek 15 points in his last 19 games. Uh, Panarin is one of those underrated guys that if it was any other year, he'd probably be up for the heart, at least the heart trophy conversation a little bit. Uh, I, I had said somebody, if Columbus had played New Jersey, Columbus would have won that series in three games J- just because of Artemi Panarin. The Devils, no matter what they, they tried to do with Panarin, and this is something that is, I think, problematic for Washington. They would have. They have the same problem in stopping a guy like Panarin. The middle of Washington's defense is very, very porous, to say the least. And it was one of the bigger reasons in Braden Holtby's slide over the second half, guys. Uh, yeah, you, know, you face that many point blank shots, and you don't you don't want to call it Stockholm syndrome, but you sit there and question. Oh God! When is it going to come again, and and in how many waves? Columbus can do that. The problem with Columbus is, and I've seen it even during the streak, they are just as vulnerable now. Whereas you wouldn't have thought that before. And Columbus in their in their playoff appearances. They've shown the best of Columbus and the worst of Columbus often in the same game. Sergei Bobrovsky has to win this series for Columbus. He can, he cannot fall, he cannot fall apart like he did against Pittsburgh last year. Can't. There's no way. If he falls apart early, Columbus is not recovering, and this is a short series, and Washington sweeps. If he holds it together enough. It's a long series. There is no in, there's probably no in between with this series. It's yeah. either going four or it's going six, almost seven. It's it's that kind of series. Um, I do think Washington's power play is a difference maker in, in this series. They'll need to draw penalties. Columbus is one of the best. I can't believe I'm saying this, guys, with the John Tepperell coach team. They're one of the better disciplined teams in the league. They do not take a ton of penalties. Washington, particularly with Ovechkin's line, and, and even Oshie's to a lesser extent, has to draw penalties. I think they do that just enough. And Washington does win this series in six games. But I will say this. Philip Grubauer plays a lot in this series. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Steve, uh, I, I assume you're done, Chris, right? So, uh, Steve... Oh, oh, I'm done. 
I can't talk about Washington more than yeah, I, I can't. That's <laughs> uh, fine. Uh, so, Steve, what, what is your take on the series? I can understand, Chris. So, you know, you're a div- division rival. You've seen him enough. Okay. Uh, I think an injury to either number one goaltender is going to hurt both of these teams. Like, Brayton Holtby is battle fatigue. He needs to be at his best. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky played in 65 games. Um, save percentage over 920. He's got 37 victories. He's got to be at his best. You're right. I think it comes down to goaltending. Um, and like you said uh, there, Chris, uh, Cam Atkinson has really picked it up. Um Pierre-Luc Dubois is also a big threat. This guy isn't afraid of anything. He's really stepped it up. Uh, John Tortorella, uh, nothing but nice things to say about this kid as well. And more importantly, their defense is playing good at the right time. Uh, Seth Jones, 16 goals, 57 points. You know who has more points? Artemi Panarin, that's it. 249 shots on goal, most of any player on Columbus's roster. Uh, Zach Wierenski has 16 goals for his own. He also generated over two over 200 shots. He only had 37 points, but he generated 200 shots. And then there, then we have this guy named Marcus Nudevera, just signed to a four-year extension, the third best defenseman on the team. Uh, in his first 61 games, play at the time of signing this contract, he had seven goals and 23 points. Uh, only registered 79 shots on goal. Averages between 15 and 17 minutes per game. This guy's been pretty good as well. On top of that, over the years, I've really, really, really started to question the capabilities of the Washington Capitals. They're a team once hitting their stride, but now they look like a team that seems to be getting wiser in the brain, but not as youthful on the ice. And when I say that, I'm not talking as much about the talents of Baxter and Ovechkin, because Ovi was one goal shy of another 50-goal campaign. To do that at his age takes a lot of talent. Evgeny Kuznetsov eclipsed 80 points this year. Second best score on the team. But a part of me wonders, come crunch time, if he's able to step it up. And you look at TJ Oshie, ranks fifth on the team in scoring this year. But he had 18 goals and 47 points. The top four had at least 60 points, and one of them was defenseman John Carlson, who was having a career year of his own. I honestly don't like chan- uh, I honestly don't like the chances of the Washington Capitals if all this comes down to their bottom six boards. Because Columbus has enough depth to make this a big series that goes well into Game 7. And I can honestly see Columbus winning their first series in franchise history. So I'm going Jackets in 7. Wow. That's, yeah. See, I'm like... I just lost all faith of Washington. I've trusted them every single year. This is their year. This is their year. And it never is. Yeah, I was was about to mention that. Because it's like, with Washington, you know... I guess really only the Sharks and the Capitals are like, like, I mean, I guess the Sharks did make the Stanley Cup Finals two years ago, but um, like it feels Washington like... Washington hasn't even made the conference finals. Yeah, yeah. the Capitals yeah, seem to be the only team that like I put in like their previous history into account when I make these decisions and stuff. And like... You know, it's like, oh, well, they have a good team and no one's really counting on them this this year. They're, they're still pretty good. You know, they still have Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Carlson. Um, and then you're like, well, their depth isn't as good as it was last year. Yeah, um, they don't have Shattenkirk. They, they don't, don't have Merle Holzner. Right. And they didn't yeah. make the conference finals that year. And yeah. Holtby hasn't been as good as he has been. And, you know, Grubauer ba- has a backup. And then I'm like... 
at the same, in the back of my mind, I'm like, but maybe this is the time where they could go far because mm-hmm. people aren't as expecting them to go far um, based off of what happens. So there is, there is, I don't know, there's a strange thing going on with the Capitals where I'm like, I don't want to fully count them out, but I kind of do at the same time. You, you um, want the ugliness of both both teams and, and, and their postseasons? True. Here's, here's Washington's. Okay, this is this is the round that they've been eliminated in the Ovechkin era. First, second, <laughs> first, second, second, first, second, second, second. First, second. So, so here we go. They get eliminated in the second round barely. Now Columbus, Columbus isn't much, isn't much better, unfortunately, True. guys. And not only that, and not only how it, it's more the it's more with Columbus how they were swept last year. It True. wasn't just that they were swept; it's how they were swept. Remember, they were swept in the first round in in, in fourteen as well. But. To be fair, they and they were and they were and they were and, well. Actually, no, I'm sorry. They lost in six that year, but and still, they weren't in any of those games either. To be fair, though, to those teams, those those teams didn't have um, didn't have uh, Artemi Panarin on their on their squad. It's true, but um, this, this was a Columbus team that won 50 games last year, and going into that series against Pittsburgh, true. If it hadn't been for the fact that Pittsburgh had or won the Pierre Cup the previous well. year, Columbus probably would have been favored by even odds makers because yeah. they did have the better team coming in. It's weird. Yeah. Then, like I said, this is a series that really could go it, – it, it could be over quick and it could go forever because there's, there's really like – I don't know how to explain this. There is no tangible way of knowing how either team is going to do – when adversity hits, because both have been so bad at it. True, that is a good point. One it's team like, has to has to win this series has to actually survive. I mean, True. it's frustrating. Yeah, even like you know, there's there's a there's a series in the West that's like this too, which uh, we'll get into. It's gonna be fun. Um, I'm gonna my final prediction is gonna be the Capitals in six. Although I think every game's gonna be really close. Um, I would, and I also would not be surprised if the Blue Jackets do actually pull off the upset. I think we all can agree, though, Bobrovsky has to be on this game in order for this to happen, though. Yeah, yeah I agree with that too. Um, all right, let's go to Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. This is this is going to be a fun series. I feel like um, Pittsburgh um, are going for a three-peat, which is unprecedented in this post-lockout era. It's it's kind of remarkable that they are able to get Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel, and Sidney Crosby all on the same team because they're all superstars in their own right. Um, then you also have Chris Letang, who's had a, who always seems to be underappreciated. Um, uh, and he actually had like a... He didn't really get injured that often this year. Um, same with uh, Malkin and Crosby as well because usually for the Penguins, injuries is their big issue. But they're all pretty healthy now. Um, there is a concern, though, uh, considering that Matt Murray had, he was injured for most of the year, um, but and he didn't really play well when he was healthy. 
Um, he has a 907 save percentage, a GAA of 2.92, and has a winning and a record of 27, 16, and 3. Um, it's kind of like one of those things where I, I guess they kind of wish they did have Mark Andre Fleury for some of the season. Um, just because of uh, Matt Murray was injured for a bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also the Penguins are one of those teams that are kind of the opposite of the Capitals, where you can never count them out because you know what they are capable of. Um, you know, ju- like just like last year where you thought like, oh, they already won last year, they're probably tired, they, they're fatigued, they're not going to win again, and then they go on and win again. So that... That could very well happen right now where people are counting them out just because you're like, well, they can't three-peat, but they could, probably could three-peat. So um, it is certainly possible for that that regard. Um, and then uh, then we go to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I almost said Eagles, but I guess that is kind of fitting considering the Eagles did win the Super Bowl. Um, and uh, it was also Philly's year, too, because Villanova... Um, won the the March Madness pool and the 76ers are are doing well now in I think basketball. Be, if the Flyers win the cup, I yeah. think it's I think it's just going to put the cherry on top and what yeah. has probably been the best year in Philly sports history. Oh, I, I mean that if it hasn't already, yeah. I mean I th- I don't know who who do you think like Philly fans care more about the Eagles or the Flyers? I feel like. It's close, right? It's it's close. I think that the Flyers at this point, just because they haven't won since I was born. <laughs> true, but like the Eagles haven't won ever. It, it's true. It's it's pretty. Yeah, they beat the it's pretty Yeah, they beat, well. In, well that's in what I'm what. saying. <laughs> Anyways, New York, New York did it first. Uh, <laughs> Funny. All wow. Right. So, I, yeah, I, thought like, I, was, like, I thought I was being savage with Brad. You just, and then you just yeah, went yeah. full throttle. I know, I know. It's like it's, it's like the Simpsons did at defense, you know. Simpsons. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, guys, this is this is this is just. I I, I joked with Russ Cohen the other day. Uh, he covers the Flyers, the Rangers, prospects, everything. I was like, how fast before the over under on this series hits seven and a half? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it did. It did. Yeah. Do, it did do this in 2012. Anyways, the, the odds makers literally got to the point where they're like, "Ah, screw this!" And by game five, they they managed to go where they hadn't gone before. And then, of course, the teams combined for just five goals, and everybody went, "Huh?" <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, I, I'm just gonna preview the Flyers here. They have um, they have Claude Giroux, who who's been fantastic. He has 102 points. Uh, Voracek, of course, as well, has been great, too. Uh, he has 85 points. Um, Sean Couturier, um, he, kind of, he slowed down a bit in the second half, but he still had a respectable 76 points in 82 games. And then Shane Gosespera kind of uh, bounced back from the season he had last year with 65 points. Steve's favorite uh, minor league player, uh, or back when he was a junior, I'm in junior. Um, Travis Konechny um, has kind of uh, broken out now. Um, he has a forty. He has forty-seven points in eighty-one games. Um, Ivan Provorov, Nolan Patrick had a pretty good uh, second half season um, as well. He has thirty points now. I think he had like something like twelve points in, in the first half. 
if I remember correctly. So, um, so he's he's definitely picked it up, and I think um, it, it helped when Wayne Simmons went down a, a couple uh, months ago, and uh, Nolan Patrick kind of just took over from that. But Wayne Simmons also has been pretty good too, with forty six points in seventy five games. Um, but yeah, Nolan Patrick has been pretty good. The one question mark with the Flyers, as which is a question mark forever for the Flyers, is their goaltending situation. Um, Brian Elliott was injured for most of the like the last couple months, but he is back now. Um, but he's still he's still shaky. Um, he has a nine oh nine save percentage and a GAA of two point six six. Um, but he does have a winning uh, record with uh, 23, 11, and 7. Um, then you also have a guy like Peter Morazic, who in 17 games has uh, 6, who's 6, 6, and 3, um, and a save percentage of 891, and a GAA of 3.22. So that's not great, um, per se. Um, but, um, yeah. The uh, and then uh, I guess that's it for them. Uh, uh, we went with Chris uh, last time, so let's go with Steve this time. Well, last week Pittsburgh played Columbus, and Malkin and Crosby weren't at their best, and Broussard wasn't suited up. Yet they still won five to four. They strike me as a team that somehow finds a way to win those sort of contests, and I think we're going to see a lot of that in what can only be described as an offensive slugfest. I mean, you take a look at Philly and. I think their top line's got to be huge if they have a shot at winning this series. Uh, Couturier, to his credit, over 70 points this year, career year for him. Voracek gets back to 80 points. And then Claude Giroux, look at Claude Giroux. He's got 100 points. And, of course, we got that bounce-back season from Shane the Friendly Ghost Bear. He got over 50 points during the regular season as well. Um, and Prof Rob didn't do all that bad either. He's, he's played well in his own right, but... I think the lack of playoff exposure on the back end is going to haunt the Flyers because um, Ghost Bear hasn't played too much in the postseason. I don't think Profar has played a single postseason game. Uh, Peter Morazic hasn't played meaningful postseason since uh, the Tampa-Detroit series from a couple of years ago. Um, and then you look at a team like Pittsburgh, who has you know, won the last two Stanley Cups and still have a lot of those guys who have been a part of those teams on this year's lineup. And those guys have played big roles on those teams, like Crosby and Malkin. We all know what they can do. We all know what Kessel can do. I think Matt Murray is finally going to return to form. And if he does, that's very, very bad news for Philadelphia. And on top of that, Pittsburgh's bottom six is just too good. So, um I definitely think the Flyers' offense is going to steal them a few games, but I say Penguins in six games. Although I will say um, that I got a couple of uh, Pittsburgh Penguins on my fantasy team, and that's partly why I'm hoping that they do some damage in the playoffs because I need those points. But if the Flyers do win, it will not upset me because I kind of want to see Pittsburgh lose. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. That, this is where it's tough. It, it, it's tough for people. Look, I, I won't. I, I make it known. Who is this year's David Pollock? Oh, please, Lord, please let it be one of these teams that that, that faces Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> but 
at the at the same time, guys, you have to tip your cap to to Pittsburgh for being able to find ways to win series when there is no way in Hades they should be able to with that team. Um, something I will I will say jokingly before I make my prediction, guys. Let's see if if Matt Murray can survive a warm up before Game One. <laughs> Yeah, because he didn't in the Columbus series. I yeah, remember in the that. Columbus series, and then if you if you remember the year before, he got hurt in the Philly Pittsburgh game that was to end the season. So you know, it's like literally, you know, game eighty one, eighty two, or eighty three. There was a problem the last few seasons with, with Matt Murray. Um, the so big, maybe just maybe just have Casey DeSmith take all the warm up shots. Interesting, Jari. Yeah. You know what? At this point, it probably wouldn't be a, a half bad idea. But look, <laughs> this series come again. This series, kind of like Boston and Toronto, comes down to who can survive the other team's best shots. Uh, they're they're going they're they're going to they're not going to punch each other li- literally as much as say in 2012, but they are going to hit each other with a lot of offense. And even even their games in the regular season have been it's just been high event hockey all over the place. So if, if you think if you're looking if you're looking for a nice two one friendly game, go elsewhere. It's, it's <laughs> not going to happen here. Um, now P- Pittsburgh ha- has bounced back immensely from the first half. I, I think I saw somewhere their sh- their shooting percentage was five point two percent after the first forty games. And it's a league best, like almost fourteen and a half percent over over the second half. So, needless to say, they've come back, like like everybody expected to. You know, whether it was a cup hangover, whether it was this, that, or what, doesn't matter. They have the best power. They have the best power play in the league at a at a nice solid twenty six point two percent. It's been around thirty percent since February first. They score almost. They score almost. They've scored over four goals a game at home in the second half. Now, now here's where it gets interesting, guys. Philly's penalty kill on the road is seventy four point six percent this year. Can't say I'm surprised. But wait, wait, wait before before we lay before we lay Philly into an early grave. Pittsburgh's penalty kill over the second half of the season is just 77%. Philly has been scoring power. Philly's power play since February 1st is at around 25%. I don't know about you guys, but you get the distinct feeling that special teams and goaltending is going to decide this series. Yeah, yeah kind of. A little, 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 little bit. A little bit. Some, some five-on-five wrinkles, but look. Let, let's be honest. The the bottom pairings defensively from either team don't scare anyone at all. Pittsburgh has better better forward depth. Absolutely true. And it's partly that partly is the reason why they can carry through this series just enough to win. It's not going But from Anst it's the most awesome thing ever just because the ticket offense this season, guys, we hold a game this year per team. 
It was 2.97. It was up about 15% from last year. So we're finally seeing scoring. We didn't, and we didn't need bigger nets either. What a miracle. Um, but it's mostly thanks to teams like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia who can't save a beach ball. This series, which every team gets on. Hello? Can Philadelphia hold on at the end? Just enough to make it a seven-game series or a six-game series? And and that's that's the question. Because if it does get to a game seven, I'm not that optimistic about Pittsburgh. I'm really not. I know everybody says, oh, they'll find a way, they'll do this and that. But that that final bit of adversity, could would that be enough? Do you, do you think if it goes seven games that Philly wins? Yes. Wow. wow. And, as, and, 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 that, and that game will be so lights out ugly that from a defensive standpoint, it'll set defense back 30 years. <laughs> uh, it, it won't be one. Of, it's not going to be one of those two white game sevens. I, I, I can. You think you it's going to be like a seven-six overtime barn burner? I, I, I think so, and I do think you see one of those in the series. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for my sake, I have I have Pittsburgh in six because I do think Crosby and Malkin, Malkin with that power play is just enough to outlast Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Philadelphia would have to get above league average goaltending to win this series. And I think they can. But the problem is you don't know which goalie is going to stay healthy for them. True. Really don't. And for what it's worth, Casey DeSmith hasn't been bad for Pittsburgh. I mean, if it ever comes to that, at least he's not Marc-Andre Fleury, but at least he's played in enough games this year. Yeah, it's a 9.21 save percentage and a 2.4 Oh, GAA. Yeah, he's actually been pretty good. In so, 14 I mean, games, though, but yeah. Right, right. So that, that's why you kind of have to make this prediction and you just go, oh, God, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in a similar position as you guys. I feel like I feel like it's tough. Like, when I look at this Flyers team, I'm like, they could get it done and they could, you know, beat the beast that is Pittsburgh. Um but at the same time, I am still very nervous about their goaltending. And I don't know if they could necessarily get it done in, in that regard. Um, so I'm going to say the Penguins in six as well. Um, I just, I think the Flyers are, again, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams that I picked to not win end up winning. But, um, it seems like it's the closest it's been for a long time, but um, I, I I don't know. I think the Penguins have more, um, just have better goaltending per se, um, and I and I think they they sound so cliche, but they kind of know how to win in these in these kind of things. So um, I I I feel I have more faith in the Penguins winning than the uh, Flyers winning. Um, I do think, though, if the Flyers do beat Pittsburgh, yep. they're never, ever going to let them hear the end of it because they're just like, yeah, you could have won three in a row, but we stopped you. We beat you. Yep. So, um, 
It's we, true. Even if, even if Philly gets eliminated and gets swept in the second round, yeah, they're still going to say we beat Pittsburgh. No, thank you. Right. Yeah, they're and 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 literally twenty nine other teams will thank them. Yeah, yeah. including mine who lost to Pittsburgh last year. So and that double overtime game. True. <laughs> so we still have uh, we still have four more series left to go, but we're at an hour twenty on this podcast. So. We're going to uh, see you guys tomorrow um, when we preview the Western Conference. Um, see you then.